0: Hear the word of the Lord from Proverbs 1, 8 through 10. Hear, my child, your father's instructions, and do not reject your mother's teachings, for they are fair garland on your head and penance for your neck. My child, if sinners entice you, do not consent. This is the word of the the Lord. Thanks be to God. well it might be hard to tell tell it by the uh, the fact that we've been in a pandemic and it's hard to kind of get a a handle on the calendar and where we're at these days but this is the uh, second week of June second Sunday of June which marks a time in a lot of congregations and particularly in ours when we celebrate with our graduates and their families and so later in the service we're actually going to be during our prayer time we're going to be praying uh, for the graduates that time but I want to take a moment here as we get into uh, pondering God's Word together. Before we go there, I did want to point out that we have two graduates that are one on staff and one as part of our session. And so I just wanted to mention them here. Uh, Angela Farnsworth, who is on our staff as our middle school coordinator, is graduating uh, from Western Washington University. And so we're celebrating with her and her family. And we're also celebrating with Haley Ballast, uh, who is graduating from Seattle University uh, as part of her graduate degree in preparation uh, for ministry. And so celebrating with both of them, um, and we'll celebrate with all the graduates here as we continue uh, in worship this morning. Well, today uh, is the second week of a series that we started last week. And you'll remember at the, at the outset of, of last week, uh, or at least as part of that first sermon, uh, we talked about what was an important ingredient uh, when we, we talked about what it means to be one who lives faithfully or smart, living the smart life. And that faithful ingredient, or that important ingredient, was to be one who Uh, fears the Lord, knowing that that's the beginning of knowledge. Well, now as we continue this week and going forward, we're going to look at uh, a bunch of different episodes. Each week, a different episode, going through Proverbs and seeing places where we might unpack and better understand what specific ways uh, we can live with that particular ingredient in mind, but what are some specific ways that we can live in various situations that we encounter. Uh, The goal, of course, is that our lives... Might be shaped uh, by God's word, and that we might in fact live faithful lives, that we might in fact live the smart life. Now, some of you might be a little surprised to hear this. Um, maybe not. When I was in high school and college, I worked for McDonald's. Yes, the Golden Arches. Now, that by itself uh, gives reason for pause. Just to think, oh, okay, you worked for a, a fast food giant, got it. Uh, I worked there for six years six years doing all kinds of jobs. In fact, at one point uh, m- one of my roles was to come in at like five in the morning and clean out all the grease and oil uh, traps, get all those fryers ready for the day. Uh, that didn't last long. It was a horrible job. Come home smelling greasy. The only one who would want to be around me was my dog licking my hand. <laughs> it, was, it was not a fun work. But during my time working for McDonald's, I had the chance uh, to work with a number of folks uh, who came uh, from various cultures and backgrounds and I thought that was a pretty unique experience for a, a young person uh, to be able to work that closely with with folks from around the world who would come to this to this country I had a chance to work with people who were from Vietnam uh, folks who came from Ukraine uh, as well as some folks that came uh, from Brazil in fact there was a funny story at one point there was a guy I worked with uh, who knew Spanish really well and he was fi- trying to figure out why he couldn't communicate with the folks from, Br- from Brazil in the grill area and so I enlightened him, they speak Portuguese, and then suddenly dawned on him uh, that that wasn't going to work. But I had the opportunity to work with, uh, with folks from all these different backgrounds. And with this diversity, uh, you might imagine that folks who are coming uh, to the English language for the first time, uh, some of the challenges that exist when that language is still being developed, uh, particularly in the way of communication. I remember on one particular occasion, there was a coworker who decided to shame and mock one of our, our new employees. Uh, who had come on board. He was saying all kinds of stuff, mimicking uh, what he considered was the accent, uh, saying things in just a really pejorative type way. And those taunts were not lost on that new employee. In fact, the entire thing nearly came to blows. There was a moment where the two of them, just imagine this during a a lunch rush, uh, two people working the grill area are now chest to chest, (laughs) breathing fire, ready to exchange blows. Uh, I guess you're not going to get your quarter pounder with cheese right away with that happening. Well, of course, the manager uh, intervened, stepping between the two, trying to diffuse the situation. And you you won't be surprised to hear that the the person who was perpetrating all this uh, went on to confess that they were innocent of any wrongdoing, that they hadn't done anything. I mean, I don't know what the deal is here. I haven't done anything. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I'm just as surprised and shocked as you are that this is happening right now. Meanwhile... Our new employee was struggling with you know, lots of emotion and adrenaline at that moment and just really struggling, trying to get the words out about what's going on, trying to convince his manager to understand the situation, trying to convince the manager that they need to intervene and step up here. But then the manager began to dismiss the seriousness of what was being said. She began to miss what he was trying to say, and in so doing, she began to kind of say, maybe you're overreacting to what's going on. Well at that moment the new employee stopped everybody in the room and he made the following statement that that brought us all to a complete arrest. He said you hear but you do not listen. You hear but you do not listen. And he was right. Amidst his broken English He understood the situation far better than anyone else at that very moment. He had called what the manager couldn't see. He had said that appropriate action to stop the abuse was not being taken. His plight was not being heard in just so many words. But Of course this manager wasn't alone. I was reading an article from Harvard Business Review this past week that included an article entitled The Importance of Listening and the author here asserts this, people do not know how to listen. Just come on and say that, people do not know how to listen. They also go on to say, people have ears that hear very well, but seldom have they acquired the necessary oral skills that would allow those ears to be used effectively for what is called listening. And that was written in 1957, is when that appeared, long before we had many of the digital distractions that we now have today in our world. So we come to ponder our text this morning, As we come to this text here in Proverbs, we are confronted from the outset with the first word in English and also the first word in Hebrew is the word hear. And we have all this in our background. And we come to this text and we're to hear this from McDonald's employee from way back and Harvard Business Review from even further back. This kind of hearing is more than... Picking up audible cues, or even having your ears tickled. This instead, and if you want to be wise, to note this: if you want to live what we're calling the smart life, then you'll have to take the posture this morning of listening, because the word here demands it. It's a word when we look at in the Hebrew of not just picking up again oral cues, but it's one where you take action. There's a sense where we're invited now to be obedient to what is about to be said to us because it is of great importance and the author here is going to say and that begins at home appropriate responses of the members of the household that doesn't surprise us none of us should be surprised by hearing that sort of thing we know that when we go back into Exodus 20 what we call the Ten Commandments that there's a, there's a, a admonition there as part of those commandments or a teaching that comes that people are to honor uh, your father and your mother. So we know within the household that that is an important feature, that we are to conduct ourselves in the way that we respond to one another with that. Paul actually picks up on that same theme when he writes to the Christians in Ephesus, when he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, So again, Ephesians chapter 6. But what's the role of parents, right? If this is the posture and the position of children, what then is the role of parents? And that's where Proverbs helps us here. The first thing we see is this, is the Father's instruction. And the word behind instruction here is musar. It's a word that we saw last week. But let me uh, unpack that word just a little bit more for us this morning. The word itself uh, holds the idea of discipline. You can actually find in other translations where they've taken the word and they've translated it that way. Because musar itself holds behind the sense that uh, there's always the possibility that one might be chastened, or, or one might have consequences if they don't actually follow that instruction, that it could actually lead uh, to some kind of kind of discipline, uh, like we said, or, or again, chastening that would happen. Your father's instruction is not merely step by step, right? This is not the picture of you being tutored by your father that they're trying to capture here with us. And maybe an earlier generation uh, would understand this better if we used a, a different kind of phrase here. Uh, when you think about the lessons of life, when you think about when you're learning uh, how to be disciplined as a child, there's a phrase that you may have heard at some point which is this, just wait till your father gets home. That doesn't hold with it the idea that you're going to receive some kind of step-by-step instruction or tutoring with that. The real sense of consequences are going to follow uh, with that. Of course in our own day, uh, in our own age this might seem overly harsh, this type of thing, this picture. It might seem even for many out of place and, and that's for a number of good reasons. Uh, we know that the human family have taken uh, discipline at points uh, too far and it's created uh, situations of abuse and it's led to lack of trust and fear in relationships. So we should be quick to press this text to say something uh, more than what it's saying here. It's we're not, we're not giving license uh, to say this is, this is how we treat others or even how we uh, are to raise our kids. But instead, we need to recognize it's written in a particular time in a particular culture where the reluctant learner could expect to hear, uh, expect to have harsh repercussions if they were in fact reluctant. And this certainly is picked up later in the book. You'll notice in, in Proverbs 10, on the lips of one who has understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of one who lacks sense, right? So you get that picture there of, of some kind of repercussions that would happen. Or even a popular text like Proverbs 13:24, Those who spare the rod hate their children, right? And it goes on uh, to speak there. But again, you have that picture. It's written to a culture that's expecting that that would be very much part of the discipline package, the way that you would raise raise children, and that you would help people not to be fools in their everyday life. But this picture, of course, is going to be rounded out for us. So it doesn't just sit there with the father's discipline, even in a world where it would be expected that that would happen. But now we have the mother's teaching. Now first of all, the inclusion of mother here is significant. Uh, You're not going to find in ancient Near Eastern wisdom references to mom's teaching. This is a pretty unique thing uh, that we find in the Hebrew Bible. But what we also see here is a word that we're probably many of us are very familiar with. The word for teaching here is Torah. If you think about Scripture, you think about the law immediately when you hear that word. Now of course this word here, you can get pretty excited about it, but to recognize that what's going on here is it's, it's really a general set of directions. It's kind of what's being put out here. If you think about the father's discipline with repercussions, here now you have this general set of directions that are provided uh, by mom. But even as we see that, to recognize that a godly household for sure is going to draw upon God's law in teaching. And we'll see that throughout the rest of Proverbs 1. That the different characteristics that are explained to those who engage in evil and foolishness, that those things are actually uh, contrary to God's law. And so how could we not see Torah in the Torah, uh, in mother's teaching there? So we have father's instruction. We have mother's teaching here. And clearly this discipline is to be heeded and this teaching not discarded. But why? Well, we've all heard the joke. Now, if you're getting excited right now, you're thinking Jimmy's going to tell you some sort of joke that's going to make you laugh or cry at the same time. I'm not going to. I think this joke is annoying. In fact, it's exhausting as well. The joke goes something like this, Pete and repeat. (laughs) Like I said, (laughs) maybe more tears than laughter at this point. Right, Pete and repeat, we've all heard this, goes into a store, jumps on a boat, goes somewhere else, please go away. Right, Wherever Pete and repeat are going, they're always going somewhere. And for some reason, Pete is always coming out, right? Pete goes in, Pete, repeat, go in, Pete comes out, and we say, who's left? Repeat. Now, now, to hear this, the repetition, of course, like I said, it's downright maddening, especially if someone who's hearing this for the first time doesn't recognize that they're triggering the joke to be told over and over and over again each time that they say repeat, right? Well, this category of fool that we discover in Proverbs, you could have another name for the fool here. That other name could be easily repeat. And the reason I say that is because in Proverbs 26, we have this line here that talks about the fool, it's being described as one who returns to their folly and actually says like a dog returning to its vomit. And so this idea of being the fool, what we're, what we're being prevented from what, when we live the smart life is we're not to be repeat. In fact, the wisdom writer wants us to be peat. Now you might say, okay, Jimmy, that sounds a little crazy. Why would the wisdom writer want us to be Pete? Well, think about for just a second here, that Pete, of course, is a derivative of the name Peter, which is a derivative of a Greek word for rock or stone, as we think about the word Petra. If you think about God's law being presented at Sinai, it was written on stone. If you think about Jesus' teaching about those who obey his commands in Matthew chapter 7, what does he say? They're like a house that's built on the rock. And so here we have, at this point, we have the wisdom writer saying to us, I want you to be that type of person. And when you live into that type of way of life, you're going to hear your father's instruction, you're going to hear your, your, your mother's teaching, and those things are going to be part of your life, so much so in the shaping of that, that you will become a person who is now adorned with radiant jewelry. And what's the description there? It's of this jewelry that's on the head and that comes down to the neck. And we think about that for a minute. We could even see here that it's not only an honor to have something that's being worn like this on the head, but it also frames what you see, what you hear, and what you say. And that's the life that this author wants us to inhabit, wants us to live in. So, we live this place, right? We leave our homes and our households. We leave from our home church even. We think about graduates today and this, this idea of going on, moving, we're celebrating people who are moving up in grades, but we're also celebrating those who might be moving on in, in graduation. And so they have been equipped and given uh, tools. And we think about this teaching and direction. We think about this instruction. They've received these different pieces And each one of us have heard this, and we've heard God's word on these different places. And so as we come to this day, a special day and a special time in the life of our church, of course the question that is begged to be asked here is, will it hold up? Will that hold up? Will those who go, will those who are here, will those things last? Which brings us to verse 10 in our text. Now, 10, verse 10 is, of course, a single verse in our reading that's actually part of a larger section. You could read uh, from that verse all the way through verse 19 and get a number of characteristics of the type of company that one uh, might join in, in their life, who the wisdom writer would say, don't be part of that. The contrast, of course, here couldn't be more different. When you think about uh, what's being offered, discipline and teaching or sinners who entice. It couldn't be more different for this writer, this wisdom writer. The one who hears does not consent to the ways of the one who entices, does not join them in their self-serving ways. Far from being adorned with wisdom's finery, this brood carries with them their own destruction on their head. And that's what the wisdom writer would want us to hear. The warning to beware of the company we keep is one that resounds loudly for us today. We have to be careful here. How quickly wisdom can be jettisoned in pursuit of the comforts of home. A first-year college student, I'm not sure we're calling them freshmen anymore based on what I'm hearing in news reports, so I'll say a first-year college student embraces the embraces folly for friendship. Some of us have been there. We've been in that place where we take on foolish pursuits so that we can expand our friend network or that we could fit in. The advancement-minded career person suspends their moral compass because they want approval or promotion. We may have been there as well. The spouse who blows up their marriage, their family, and their life to adopt a new persona, a new set of friends, and it goes on and on and on. So many different ways where this finds expression in our own lives. God doesn't want that for us. I think that's the gift of God's instruction. That's the gift of God's teaching. That's God's grace for us, is that we don't deserve this word, but this word helps us not to blow our lives up. Helps us to live a different kind of life. That we discover here how much a gift it is to us and for us. So with this in mind, let me uh, have us return to who we're supposed to be. Two things this morning, and we'll close with this. The first thing is this, we're supposed to be children who hear. We're supposed to be children who hear. Those who hear instruction, those who hear teaching. Again, not just something that goes in our ears and bounces around and flows off and is just air, but rather we're called to be children who hear and respond appropriately ones who step up and step into those places that we're called to live in obediently. And of course as we live that way, and it doesn't matter how old you are, you can be children of all ages. The second one is this, we're also supposed to be, particularly those of us who are older, we're to be parents who teach. I'm not just talking about households, not mom and dad at home or whatever configuration you might have at home but we're to be spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers as well here in the home church. We're to be ones who teach a different kind of thing. A word that is good, a word that is right, a word that is to be followed. But sometimes that feels like it's all for naught. So let me share this uh, story with you again as we close. For many years I organized graduation celebrations. It's one one of my jobs as a youth director. Uh, each year, usually falling on the Sunday, the second Sunday of June, we, w- we would schedule a graduation celebration, and we would honor the graduates in the worship. We'd have afterwards some sort of cake and punch reception, uh, and it was a, a joyous time of celebration. And one of the encouragements that I always gave to folks in the congregation was to look for a place where you can go and congratulate each one of the graduates. Go go and offer a word to them of encouragement. Congratulate them on. On what they've achieved, this great milestone in their life, but also uh, share something with them uh, that they can take with them for the future. I don't think many people did that. All the years I share that, I don't think many people did that. But on one occasion, someone did do that. On one occasion, someone did do that. I remember it was at one of those celebrations that one of the graduates was standing there, and and he was uh, just you know he wasn't wasn't really outgoing, uh, wasn't wasn't someone that would be you would say by looking at him. That he's really dynamic. But you could tell uh, that as each person went and greeted him that he kind of liked that. You, you could see that. Well, this guy from the congregation comes up to him, and, and you see this at that moment where he extends his hand to this graduate, and he actually does it. He actually says something meaningful about the future to this graduate. He doesn't just congratulate him, but says, I want you to remember this. No matter where you are, no matter where you go, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. First John chapter 4, right? Right? So he he gives him, gives that graduate that line. Now, this guy, and as you look at him, there wasn't really an existing relationship between the two. You could see the graduate was kind of like, okay. <laughs> and and this guy is really well meaning at this point. But what he's doing is he's living into Proverbs 1. He's trying to be a spiritual father to that graduate and offer some level of instruction and teaching in the few seconds that he has in that relationship that was there for just a few seconds and then poof it was gone that he could offer some kinds of words and we hear stories like that and we see things like that and we wonder is it all for naught? like I said is it all for naught? well let me tell you this I was that graduate it was my hand he shook 28 years ago And I remember it to this day. I can remember him walking up to me. I can remember shaking his hand. I can remember him sharing those words. Children, listen, that is important. To be ones who step up, who obediently hear the instruction, and we live into that place that God has called us to a better kind of life. But we're also called to be a people who share and serve as parents offering instruction. Something big happened here at John Knox. We made an offer to a new director of Next Gen Ministries that was accepted. Um, line about who he is about, and did a lot of work with children and his parents. Maybe so each day to come not that we do so with gritted teeth, but rather that we do so as ones who receive from the Lord. And so, this day?